KCSB FM Santa Barbara 91.9. This is Inside Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi with KCSB News. And I'm Akmika Iyer with The Daily Nexus. This is the show that shares what's happening in and around Isla Vista and the UC Santa Barbara community. On May 23rd of 2014, six students were killed in a tragedy that changed the atmosphere of the UCSB student body and the Isla Vista community. Today, we commemorate the lives of George Chen, Cheng Yuan Hong, Weihan Wang, Catherine Cooper, Christopher Ross, Michaels Martinez, and Veronica Weiss. On tonight's show, we talked to Jonathan Abood about his experience as AS president and as a member of the Isla Vista community following the 2014 Isla Vista tragedy. Hi, Jonathan. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, my name is uh, Jonathan Abood. I've lived in Isla Vista for the last 10 and a half years. And uh, right now I work as the general manager of the Isla Vista Community Services District. And I'm also elected to, to represent Isla Vista on the Santa Barbara City College Board of Trustees, but I'm not um, speaking on behalf of either organization today. Great. So today we're talking about what happened on May 23rd in 2014 and just about how it affected the community and also asking you about your personal experience. Um, where were you on the night of May 23rd? I, I had sadly just left Isla Vista. Um, I was, you know, I was on a, you know, I remember it being a very dark part of the 101 freeway, uh, you know, many miles out of town at that point. And uh, that's, you know, I, I was getting the the phone calls from people who were, you know, alarmed by what might have been happening. No one knew yet, but, that, you know, that's how I remember it. It was a, you know, dark road um, off the freeway had and um, you know, trying to figure out what was happening in Isla Vista and um, making, you know, not making plans, but making sure that I'd be able to get back right away um, in the morning, because at that point it would, I wouldn't have been able to come back. And, th and that was something that, you know, really affected me was that, you know, not being able to be there in town with, um, with the people I knew when something tragic was happening. So I wasn't in Isla Vista physically at that time. I had just left, you know, maybe an hour before. So um, when, when you found out the full extent of what had happened, what was your personal reaction and what was your professional reaction as AS president? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we found out kind of in a drip, not even the full story, you know, it took maybe even a day uh, before we really knew what had actually happened. You know, I was getting a lot of phone calls right at the beginning. I mean, gunshots had been fired in Isla Vista um, and it wasn't that uncommon that gunshots would be heard in Isla Vista at the time. So it was a serious issue, but we did not, you know, I didn't comprehend, no one did, that what was unraveling in real time was a mass shooting. So my, my first reaction, though, was the second I heard gunshot from someone who had called me, I made sure to make aware the relevant authorities. I, I called the um, UCSB administration, and uh, and I let them know that you know, there was something in Isla Vista and that there was going to need to be a response for students affected. 
So that was my first response. That's all I could do at the time. I, I think, at, you know, eventually I didn't even have cell service that night. So I was disconnected from what was going on. And that, again, you know, I, I, I struggled with that because nothing I wanted more was to you know, be there for the community and for my, you know, my, my friends. The next day, um, I was, again, trying to get cell service, left where I was was coming back to Isla Vista, was, you know, fielding calls from the, from the press on what was going on, not really knowing, again, as much as I should have at that point. And really, it was the next group of student leaders and uh, who were elected who, you know, put together that first vigil the, the day after on the Saturday. And they had planned that. And coming back, I, I spoke at the vigil. Um, and I spoke about how you know, we need to stay together and strong as a community to get through this. And yeah, that, that, so that was the first 24 hours of reaction um, was speaking to the community, making sure that there were resources and that, you know, there was a response as fast as possible from those who could respond, providing mental health care and support for, for others. And then, you know, after, after it had happened, the, the goal was between myself and the new AS president to, to talk to decision makers like the administration and the county and, and such and start making, having conversations and plans about how to move, move forward for Isla Vista. And that's when I really saw a lot of problems in the system. I mean, I had already seen a lot of these problems, but you know, that's when we saw that you know, a lot of the sympathies from power brokers and large agencies and university, the county, elected officials, you know, a lot of resources were flowing in because of the tragedy. And what we had been talking to them about now post post tragedy was not exactly saying, you know, this is the solution is, you know, getting a fence built on a bluff or a lighting, but those were things that were now like being offered up. It's like, let's do these things to support Isla Vista. And that's good. But it, you know, it highlighted the problems that, you know, it would take tragedy in Isla Vista for change and good things to happen. And so that's why we need a different way to deal with our day-to-day issues that does not require tragedy to spur action. So that's why I made my then decision to continue to stay here and work on the community services district, knowing that would be the best thing at this point is to give us our own voice. And, you know, there was a lot that went there. But it was a shock to me personally. I mean, some of my friends were almost in the direct line of fire from what they've described to me. And, you know, the shooter finished his rampage in front of my house. You know, that's where he killed himself and the deputies arrested or tried to arrest him. So, I mean, that too, and that was the end of my time as a college student at, and, and at UCSB. And, uh, you know, it, it, the graduation, I knew one of the people who had been, killed and more than you know it was more than one person who was part of our graduation class who was and graduation was just in a couple weeks so it it was it just totally affected me and it was um I mean it was heartbreaking and and I was the representative you know for the area there wasn't as you know a local government as much so myself and the others you know we, we we represent this place you know good or bad and so when something like that happens, it's just, you know, obviously nothing I could have specifically done could have stopped it, but you know, you never imagined that your college town would go through a mass shooting and killing. 
So you mentioned this a little bit, but you had completely different plans, I believe, prior to the shooting. And then after the shooting, the trajectory of your life changed a little bit, or I shouldn't even say a little bit, a lot. Could you tell us a little bit about how it did change? What were some things that you were expecting to do? And what were some things that ended up going in a different direction? Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like almost everybody, I was planning to move out of Isla Vista and go on and do something else after graduating from UCSB. But yeah, I ended up then deciding, well, I, you know, I, this means more to me to do than going to some random grad school program. This is what I would actually care about doing now after I, you know, finish being a college student. So I didn't even know what that really meant that I was going to stay and work on a self-governance for Ivy. Like no one, no one told me to do that or guided me to do that. But I, it was just a, it was a gut feeling thing that I felt like I needed to do. So I think it was like finals week is when I decided it's finals week of the spring quarter. I ended up, I, I got a job initially this, I didn't mention this, but uh, the new AS president, Allie Guthie, she was working with the UCSB foundation on their new committee and Isla Vista strategies. So they had put together a group to look at how to address things in IV and had some new student research positions created. So I, uh, I went and got one of those jobs to do with the research to propose to make sure UCSB supports uh, self-governance. So, you know, I, I kind of put a piece it together as, as I went along, I didn't really have a, a plan or again, a timeline. I, I thought I'd maybe do this till December and leave like six more months. Then I ended up staying even longer because one of my former professors will then suggested that I run for office for the, the, the new district that includes Isla Vista for the city college board. I ended up running for the city college board representing Isla Vista. Wanted to really make sure Isla Vista had like an actual you know, local resident in an elected position in the greater Santa Barbara community. And it's more of that no more about us without us. That was also part of the you know creation of the CSD. So I, I ended up running for that. And then that was a four-year term. So yeah, that, that completely changed my life. I was totally on a different track, but it just felt right. I, again, I, it felt like the thing I needed to do at the time. But yeah, I think that was part of my healing process too. On a personal level, obviously, you know, everyone has in college, like, two sides to their life, their home life with their family and their friends from their hometown and their college friends. And, you know, in college, your community, our community, Isla Vista was experiencing the same thing in different ways. But how did your friends and family from home react? What did they what did they say to you? How did they feel about what happened? A lot of my friends and family from home had actually, you know, come to Isla Vista and UCSB a lot like my my mom especially was here all the time she she loved the community you know knew lots of the people and my sister my the friends i grew up with they all you know used to visit pretty often you know they all had a connection to the place i don't know i mean it it, it was national news i mean even my family in lebanon knew about about what was happening that night i mean everybody was of course like first scared if i was okay and thankfully i was able to tell them i, I wasn't even there but everybody it was something almost everybody knew had happened and so no one imagines they're going to be part of a situation like that that their community was the center of a tragedy that 
is is felt across the, the whole country or or world so i don't know people were very worried for me they were very worried for the you know everyone they knew here and you know my mom and others did come the next day on the for the vigil and the other memorial services so all those people who did come not it was i think it felt like the entire isla vista you know all the residents were there which you know, probably because it was like 28,000 people i think the addition of the the misogyny that's wrapped up in the whole tragedy and the racism and the whole manifesto it, so it was a mass shooting with this you know evil message to it and i think that's why people really noticed it this is inside isla vista i'm jennifer yoshikoshi and i'm akmika Ayer. today we are speaking to jonathan abood about his involvement in uniting the community after the isla vista may tragedy and from what you've talked about it sounds like what happened really changed your life and from what you saw how did the UCSB community change how did the atmosphere of Isla Vista change after what happened yeah I think that there was a pretty significant change in a lot of different ways I mean I think you know one is you know how UCSB approached Isla Vista and thought about Isla Vista and that all changed in a good way. And the, like the relationship UCSB has with IV is so much better. I mean, you can't even compare it to the past because it's just apples and oranges better. So that's, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing that UCSB and continues to have, you know, it's, it's not fading. It's, you know, seems to continue. So that was really good. And the, the people themselves, like the, I think there was a recognition and the, party culture and not the party culture but like the glorification of it and the excess of it like how it was then that definitely you know was re-examined by people and I think what definitely stopped and has not returned is the glorification of the party scene and I think you know it was recognized that in the manifesto even it's mentioned that this party scene that you know all the bad things that are associated with it attracted this person to this community. The sex is promised of, you know, come here and you'll have unlimited sex with good looking people. That was really a, a toxic part of our culture. And it's obviously has not gone away. I, I, it was, it just felt so glorified the party scene in a way that, you know, this is what it's all about here. Um, come here, revel, get drunk, you know, that's not what people highlight about Isla Vista, I think, anymore. I think the community really did become more community focused and focused on supporting each other and having a positive image of Isla Vista. And, you know, obviously not all problems are fixed, but I think the community and even the people have even turned over and changed that the community has real ownership. There's more positive values in the community. You know, I think that the movement has definitely grown since then, for example, to combat sexual assault. Like, I think there's just different values held in Isla Vista now than there were before. I think it had a role, the, the May 23rd, and so did other things that happened that year, like the Deltopia riot. They all had a role, like, in yeah, moving away from this really sexist and uh, dangerous glorification of the party scene in Isla Vista and moving towards, you know, more positive community building. It's really interesting to hear about how much Isla Vista changed just from 
how different 2014 was in the community. But after the tragedy, what did you feel like as AS president you had to do for UCSB? And what were some of the things that you did for the community? Yeah, I mean, it was at the end of my term as AS president. And before I even knew I was staying or even before even the, the tragedy had happened, you know, my main goal at that time was to make sure that the next, you know, AS president and whole of AS and you know, community of Isla Vista at large, you know, had the foundation and tools necessary to, um, to get self-governance. I mean, it, it, like I said, it was an important thing for months, but I was already working on that and continued to want to work on that is just making sure we had that foundation to have self-governance. And then later I made the decision that I wanted to stay and you know, directly support that happening myself. But when I thought I was leaving, I, my main focus was you know, leaving behind as much of the knowledge. And I didn't have all the knowledge like others did, but you know, making sure that it got to the right people and uh, making sure that the right people were in the right positions to affect change. I, I made, I was happy that person who I was supporting replaced me as president because uh, she shared, she shared a lot of the same values um, and desire to have Isla Vista leave this political state we were in and into a better one. You know, that was my original goal was to make sure that the right people and the right information was all where it needed to be to move us forward. And then later I decided to, you know, stay and directly support it myself. Speaking to changes that were spurred based on tragedy, um, what were some of those changes that happened that weren't necessarily directly related to the shooting, but more in terms of, oh, we have attention on IV now. So, and, and so suddenly they decided to respond to Isla Vista as a result of the tragedy. I think that here's, I mean, here's a couple that happened, you know, moving UCSB into having offices at the clinic building, the 970 Embarcadero Del Mar. That was a clear response to the, to the shooting. Um, and again, that was something people had kind of wanted, you know, more mental health resources, more, that's always, it's always been, that drum has always been beaten. The other one, the cliff. So on Walter Capps, Park is one of the examples. It's like there's a fence now, a wooden fence with a screen. There used to be no fence, and there used to be no fence on most of the, a lot of the parks that are on DP in IV. So we got a fence up on the bluff. And again, there was that, a lot of death, and it was not safe. Like there was actively bad things happening because of that. So we got the fence built. Then there was the, um, at Camino Corto, you know, I lived at Santa Catalina, you walk up that street, it's pitch, it was pitch dark, you know, maybe two months later after the shooting, I had a full set of brand new pedestrian lights. So these are just three examples. You know, you, I think you touched on this when you talked about graduation, but um, how did students react on an activist level, both within and outside of AS? Do you believe there even was a movement advocating for gun reform or was it just individuals? And do you believe local politicians paid adequate attention, not just to the 2014 Isla Vista tragedy, but to policy and actions that would prevent such a thing from happening again? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't think that there was necessarily a concerted and like highly organized anti-gun violence response in Isla Vista. I mean, I think there's a lot of people, excuse me, who did get involved in that kind of work and um, did push it in different avenues, especially like the ones who left to like wherever they left to continue to push forward and support that. You know, I know that I, I follow a lot of people still on social media, but like there was some local like Isla Vista based advocacy against gun violence, but I don't think other, other things were bigger focuses like mental health, combating sexual assault, self-governance. I mean, those were just like three things that were already going and moving, but God, I think those movements got even bigger, but our politicians, our legislators, they, I think, did a good job. I think they actually did a really good job. It was Doss Williams and Hannah Beth Jackson, who were the assembly member and senator at the time. And, you know, I don't have the entire list of legislation they passed, but, you know, they passed a few bills that were direct response to what happened in Isla Vista and to prevent something like that from happening again. And the big one that did pass and is the gold standard nationally for, you know, what might be great to do at the national level and what other states are, gun violence prevention restraining order, GVRO. Uh, that is also called the red flag law, where if there's an individual who's um, concerning, who has a lot of guns, uh, it allows the police, you know, with the appropriate approvals and warrants uh, and concern from like family and it's been expanded now to more than just family like co-workers to intervene and to confiscate those weapons temporarily and to provide mental health support so that was even used in Isla Vista in you know in 2019 there was an individual who was concerning um, who had a lot of weapons and uh, you know the uh, you know, the law, law enforcement confiscated those. And I, so I, th I think that that law was, was one of the major changes in public policy that happened, you know, because of May 23rd. Um, from my recollection, that law was not going to pass. It was, it was kind of put in suspense at the legislature in California. It was, yeah, it didn't have, it didn't have good prospects, but uh, you know, a tragedy happened and they pulled it out and passed it almost immediately. Um, switching gears just a little bit. Um, how did you work with AS to help the community heal, not just in your role as AS president, but just in your involvement with the community? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we did a lot. I mean, the, the first few things were really the key things. And I, I, I was not as really as involved in these things because um, because of you know where I was at at the time but uh, it was like the immediate response of um, of providing you know a vigil space providing mental health resources um, opening up the Pardal Center that was something AS did as a space uh, I, I mentioned the the parks the healing space that was set up there I mean I think a lot of different groups had a, had a part in it and uh, providing the resources necessary. There were a lot of town halls after, not just AS was planning them, and different groups were putting together town halls about 
the future of Isla Vista. And they were a space to, you know, reflect and also a space to, you know, be energized about how to make things better. AS Program Board, I remember, did a concert with Jack Johnson as a healing space that fall. It, it really was a healing space. It, was, it wasn't even that big, but the people who were there filled uh, Stork Plaza and it had a good way to start the year. Happened at the end, let's come back together and reflect. So I think that was really important, really was, you know, the immediate aftermath was, that was well responded to. There was uh, more, there was a lot of resources provided by a lot of different imaginable groups. But then it was like the next year that I think really was, just as important and you know that was part of UCSB opening its counseling in, in IV that you know what AS program board had done um, and then the one year anniversary planning that vigil which was you know very large but I think was an important part of the healing process and I was involved in that yeah so there was a lot that was done by a lot of different people so I, I can't say that I, I did anything myself I was involved in a lot of these and not involved in others but, uh, you know, I think a lot of people did step up. And this night of May 23rd happened seven years ago. And a lot of the people that were here in 2014 aren't in Isla Vista anymore. But do you think that the people of IV right now still hold on to the memories of this traumatic event that happened? I think the people who left, you know, from who I've talked to, you know, we all definitely, um, you know, it definitely has sat with everybody. So I, I know for a fact that um, it has, you know, this, this issue has stuck forward. And I think even in Isla Vista, you know, I don't think it is um, at the top of everyone's mind, but I think, I think people are aware of it uh, to a degree. And there's, um, there's, there's a lot of ways for people to be aware of it. And I think the, um, the fact that this strategy had national implications I think more more people might be aware of it because of that, but th those of us who were actually here and experienced it, um, definitely, I think we're going to remember it and it's going to be with us for the rest of our lives. And just to kind of wrap everything up, how do you want the lives of the victims to continue to live on in the essence of Isla Vista? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the first and foremost, their their names and their their memories should be preserved. And I think we've done that, at least with the Remembrance Garden. Um, you know, we can do that today. We, we can mention their names, you know, George Chen, James Hong, David Wang, Katie Cooper, Chris Martinez, Veronica Weiss. I mean, they're people, they, they were here. They were all UCSB students. They, and there were others who were injured too. Some, you know, very bad, very serious injuries. Yeah, I, I, and I think we've done a good job of preserving memories, you know, like the Love and Remembrance Garden. You know, I think all those benches were made, for example, in a way that, you know, signified the person that they're in honor for. I think that's, you know, we can do things like that. But in general, as a community, we want would be to not let Isla Vista get back into a position that would lead us down that path again, that, you know, we need to continue to work on ourselves as a community on you know, issues of sexism and the, the partying issue, how we can how we can have a safe nightlife. You know, everybody loves a good nightlife, but we, you know, how do we do that safely and free of misogyny? And um, how to continue to you know have a strong mental health system, 
you know, xenophobia is another one I mean, that was wrapped up in, in some of his um, killings. You know, I think we need to just do better ourselves as a community. We need to resolve these issues internally so that in the future, you know, we'll just be stronger against something like this. So I think that's what we can do is remember them and also make sure that something like this, you know, you can't stop anything like this from ever happening again. That's impossible, but we can do as much as possible so that the conditions don't lead to something like that again. You just heard from Jonathan Abood, UCSB alumni and current general manager of the CSD, speaking about his personal experience with being a student as well as AS president during the Isla Vista May tragedy. You've been listening to Inside Isla Vista. Thanks for tuning in Wednesdays at 5 p.m. to find out what's happening in and around Isla Vista. I'm Jennifer Yoshikoshi. And I'm Akmega Iyer. Our theme song is Siesta by Jawser. This is 91.9 FM KCSB.